Welcome to Lockdown Horn Frogs. Michael from the Purple Rain Podcast is with me. I'm Stephen Simcox. Uh, we're closing out the week. It's Friday. We're going to rock out a final show here before this Colorado game and discuss TCU against the Buffaloes. That's coming up next here on Lockdown Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. Full disclosure, we're recording this Wednesday evening. I'm airing this on Friday. I got a little ahead this week, which there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're getting close to 850 subscribers, which I didn't really think that was going to be possible uh, before the week. But a lot of Colorado people have subscribed. So welcome to you guys. I appreciate the fact that you've stuck around and hung around throughout the week. We have uh, Michael Pevia from uh, Purple Rain Podcast with us. Mike, your Twitter handle's down there. Uh, you also cover the Colts. Let people know what it is you do and where they can find your uh, your work if they're interested in following along. Definitely. Well, obviously, the main thing is going to be about the TCU Horn Frog. So if you want to follow myself and uh, my co-host over there, Miss Adriana Rojo, a TCU student there, uh, make sure you follow us on X. I keep trying to do that pause before oh, I say yeah, Twitter. Yeah. Uh, call it X now. Yeah, yeah, on X. And we uh, recently created a link tree. We should be dropping our next episode, which is the Colorado preview and some Big 12 rankings uh, here in the next couple of days. So make sure you check that out. All right. I love it. Check out the Purple Rain podcast. So uh, we're getting football on Saturday. Um, and I'm excited about it, Michael. Uh, this Colorado team, a lot of unknown. How, how concerned are you? about just trying to prepare for this game for TCU like where where they are how you know how they're going to try to attack these different schemes uh, when they don't really have a great feel for the personnel and the coaching staff going into this matchup yeah so when it comes to the preparation for this I mean it's different and Sonny Dykes has talked about it a couple times already in his pressers this week that you kind of have to go through so many games and if you're going to be a professional staff, then you're not just doing your preparation these last two weeks. You're, you're doing it all throughout the summer because you know who your week one opponent is going to be. You know, since what, December, January, who was coming to Colorado. You knew you saw that news break. So you had to get something uh, together to figure out who it is that you're going to play. But how tough is it? You know, when you get to the game, this is not be over me being overly confident. I know you said you had some uh, Colorado people ch chiming in here lately, and I don't mean this by any disrespect. I know Colorado fans are very, very confident and passionate uh, for this season, especially for this game. But I, I don't think it's going to be that big of, of a challenge at all. I think when you get into the game, you know, Colorado might get a touchdown or two, but when you get to halftime, Joe Gillespie is going to figure out what it is that Colorado wants to do, and he's going to know what their limitations are. And we're all going to find that out pretty quickly on Saturday, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. But I, I don't think it's going to be that that big of a problem if, if I'm saying, you know, if I'm just being honest, I, I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of different layers to this. I mean, I, I could see, like, the first half being tough just for the defense, at least kind of understanding – the different looks and honestly like 
I don't, I don't know how Sean Lewis is going to approach this. I think there's two different ways he could look at it from a play calling perspective. One is you just kind of throw the kitchen sink out there, meaning, you know, you're going to run some of your base concepts, but you, you throw a lot of different things out there that you probably didn't put on film at Kent State just to have the advantage in the specific game. The other thing, though, if you're looking at it from a long-term view, I mean, Colorado's going to have to execute what whatever it is they want to do. Like, they're going to have to start building that philosophy and doing that at a high level starting Saturday. So, I mean, I think for the most part, TCU can get a good feel for, okay, they're going to run tempo, they're going to spread us out, they're going to try to make us cover the, you know, the width of the field. Um, and, yes, I believe Joe Gillespie is good at making adjustments. I also wonder, you talked about – the fact that they, I mean, they have the internet too. Like they see who Colorado's adding to their roster. I know Jeff Jordan's a really good scout and he does a great job scouting like the high school ranks and the college ranks. I don't know if they've had him doing this, but I, I wonder if they've had him looking at tape of the, some of these guys and just trying to give them a, a basic overview of like, okay, this is what this guy does well. Maybe they're trying to do X, Y, Z with them. Um, I don't have insight to that. That's just a thought that came across my head when you were when you were discussing that. Uh, as far as the offense goes, so we're, we're getting a look at Chandler Morris again. Um, last year, first half of that game didn't go well against Colorado. Hopefully this year is better. But I know with Kendall Bryles, um, they're, they're going to be running tempo. They're going to be heavy in the RPO game. Uh, what are your expectations like for Chandler in you know, game one as we kind of do this all over again? with him starting the season as uh, QB1 going into this game? My expectation is that they're going to go about it smart. They're, they're not going to try and go for the deep bombs early. You know, don't try and give Colorado momentum. Don't go three and out on your first drive. Don't do silly things and, you know, put momentum on Colorado's side. Start out simple. You know, get Chandler. Chandler hasn't played football in a while live football in a very long time so get them going get get some quick out routes get some quick screens quick passes uh get that rhythm going start establishing get his arm live get it warmed up and everything because again it's one thing to be out there in a red jersey knowing that you're not going to get hit but now in the live game you're working against the clock the refs the defensive coordinator, the defensive line, you're working against a live defense that is trying to dispatch what it is that you're doing. So get it out quick. Don't don't get too crazy. Uh, so I remember going back, like some of the things that Sonny Cumbie would, would do as a play caller, like some of them were just like, dude, what, what are we doing? Like we're coming out, you know, first drive against Oklahoma, two 20-yard throws that weren't even close to being completed like okay all right so much for setting a rhythm or uh <laughs> setting a tempo but now for this game with Kendall Bryles he probably wants to make a statement in his first game I just don't think the first quarter is where you have to do that you know put yeah. your put your speed on the outside put that on display get Chandler yeah. Morris get some of them intermediate routes some of them in breaking routes if you want to go outside the numbers try that because you know studying for this defense for Colorado they're going to have a lot of opportunities they they will they're going to have John Paul Richardson up the seam over the middle Jojo Earl Jared Wiley they're going to have these guys available and they're going to be wide open so it's going to be like probably Man, I mean, I, I don't know, want to sound overly confident, but it might be the easiest offensive game that they'll have outside of Nichols this season. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of new pieces there for Colorado. They're working in a, a ton of new guys, um, even with some of the talent they brought in. Uh, I think their D-line is pretty solid in their secondary is talented. I don't know how it's all going to gel together, though, in game one. Um, so we have some clarity at the running back position. Imani Bailey looks like he's going to be the guy. And then I'm sure we'll see a lot of Trey Sanders as well. Uh, Imani's he's an interesting case. I mean, he's really explosive. Um didn't show a ton of patience last year. Didn't really, I mean, that might be unfair to say. He didn't get a ton of opportunities. But uh, I'm excited for him, Michael. I, I think this is a guy that can take the top off a of defense. I feel like they have a good change of pace with Trey Sanders. Um, he's going to have to grow into being a more complete running back. But but what are your general thoughts about kind of Amani Bailey stepping into this role as, as a starting running back this year? Well, if there is one position that I on this roster that I do not worry about being able to get guys to become a more complete p- player, that's the running back position. I mean, Coach Jones, that come on now. I mean, he has NFL running backs. He just sent two that made the 53-man roster this past season, Kendra Miller to the Saints, Amari DiMercato to the Cardinals. And he's got two others. He's got Patrick Taylor, probably the most famous, and Tony Pollard for the Cowboys, Antonio Gibson for the Commanders. I mean, the guy does his thing in coaching running backs and getting them better. You even saw it with Kendra last year. His vision, his agility, his balance was just superb. It was a night and day difference from what you saw regularly. So now with Imani Bailey, you're right. He didn't get a lot of uh, run last year because, again, you had Kendra Miller. You had Amari DiMercato. Those were the vets. They played in big games. They didn't turn the football over. They didn't put the ball on the ground. They didn't do any of that. They knew what they were doing. Imani Bailey did have a couple scores last year. He has really good straight line speed, which is what you want in your running back. If you get an open space, take it to the house. We saw that with Amari DiMercato, Kendra Miller. We've seen it with Jed Anderson. We saw it with Zach Evans. We, we, we've seen it with these running backs lately in, at TCU. So with this one in Imani Bailey, the running between the tackles, I, I don't have an, a worry about that. But now if you're going to be the running back one, now you, you, more things are added to your play. More responsibilities are added to your play. Can you be a reliable pass catcher? Can you come out if if you're playing against, you know, a Baylor or a Texas Tech or a Texas and they have real good coverage on the back end? Is Imani Bailey, does he have reliable hands to be that, you know, safety blanket, that, you know, check down for Morris? Can he be that guy? That's number one. And then number two is the pass blocking. If he's going to yeah. stay back there and pass block, that's something that Kendra Miller and Marty DiMercato were great at, mm-hmm. and that's something that he would probably have to take another step up in, which I'm sure they've worked on. If I was looking at pass blocking, me personally, I would probably put that at on Trey Sanders, honestly. But, again, if it's just going to be one running back out there, those are some things that I want to see from Imani Bailey. When we get to Saturday – the whole country is going to be like, who is that running back? We don't know who he is unless you're a uh, Louisiana Cajuns fan and you remember him. Everybody's going to be like, who the heck is this Imani Bailey? But come, you know, week five, week six, I, I think the country could have a really good idea of who he is. Yeah, the blitz pickup thing is going to be a key. And, I mean, I think part of that, too, is going to come with more consistent snaps. Um, but he's going to have to be physical and, and you know, block and protect protect Chandler at times. Uh, when we come back, we'll hit some 
other notes, just some things around TCU, news things that I need to hit on, and then we'll get to uh, the defensive side of the ball some more. This is uh, Locked on Horn Frogs. It's your team every day. Do you want to talk about one of our sponsors, though, Game Time? Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you see it down there at the bottom. Um, Game Time's the place to go if you need to buy tickets, especially if you need to buy tickets at the last minute. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game Time's a fast and easy way to buy tickets to all sports. They got TCU tickets. They have Ranger tickets. If you want to go to Globe Life and watch the Rangers melt down in real time, you can do that on Game Time. I'm sorry. I'm just – they lost the Mets like one minute before we got recording here. I'm still a little salty about it. Uh, that bullpen's a mess. But if you want to go watch the Rangers in this race in the ALS, you can find tickets there. Uh, forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get flash deals on football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Snag the tickets without the stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code, promo code Locked On College, um, and get $20 off your first purchase. So just that promo code Locked On College, and you get $20, $20 off, excuse me, your first purchase. Looking right now, um, Colorado tickets for as low as $47. Uh, and then Nickel State, you can get those for as low as $5. So use the Game Time app today, and then that promo code locked on college. Michael, yeah, those Nickel State tickets are a little easier to get. That's, that's a little cheaper ticket. If you are if you want to use that $20 coupon, that's not a bad one to use for that Nickel State game. Game Time, our uh, proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. Back here on Locked On Horn Frogs, um, just a few kind of newsy things. So one – Sonny Dyke said in his press conference Tuesday, injury report-wise, uh, Cam Cook not going to play. Freshman running back apparently got banged up in fall camp. Also, Ish Burdine, um, who had transferred in from Mizzou a few off-seasons back, hasn't really seen the field. But overall, really healthy. He didn't mention Thomas Armstrong. That was a name that I know he talked about earlier um, in the off-season. So maybe he's available. But at, at most, I think you're looking at three guys which that's pretty solid for, you know, opening the season um, that are potentially out. NFL-wise, uh, some guys that made rosters, Amari DiMercato, he's officially on the Arizona Cardinals, who uh, might be just tanking into the ground for Caleb Williams, but still good for Amari that he made the team. It's, it's great that he made a roster, um, and really cool that he did that during preseason. Um, Alan Ali made the practice squad with the Vikings. Um, D. Winters made the 53-man roster for the 49ers. Max Duggan was put on waivers, but actually cleared waivers, and he re-signed with the Chargers. He'll get on the, their practice squad. Um, and then a, a guy that's not a rookie, but Jalen Rager, was released by the Vikings today. And, and, Michael, I know you mentioned maybe the Colts would have some interest there. I saw the Bears might be interested as well. But we think there's a decent chance Jalen ends up somewhere here in the next few weeks, right? Yeah, and let's not forget about our guy, Dylan Horton. He made the initial 53-man roster with the Houston Texans, so that's, that, that's big time as well. So, yeah, with Jalen Rager, we'll, we'll continue to see what, what happens with that. I know that you know the Colts have interest with them, and obviously that's the team that I cover. Uh, but I have been told that they have interest in him. But, but again, he is a shifty player. He's got special teams experience, and he can be a guy that can take the top off of a defense. So, again, there's 31 other teams. Don't take my word for it that he'll be in Indy, but I think maybe Philly, maybe returning to Philly, um, Philly, Washington, Buffalo, especially if there's something going on there with Stephon Diggs and the Dolphins. So we'll, we'll, we'll continue to see what, what happens with that. 
So uh, one thing I want to talk about going back to the Colorado TCU matchup up front. I did an episode earlier this week about, you know, the, the matchup in the trenches. And I was actually, I will say when I looked at Colorado's defensive line, at least the guys they brought in in the portal, I was uh, surprised. I was like, okay, this is, this group's more talented than I thought. Um, I really like this TCU offensive line though, you know, shifting Brandon Coleman to the inside, most likely, I think Michael Nichols is going to be at one of those tackle spots. They're really big up front. Um, on the other side, Colorado O-line, I don't know a ton about. It, it looks like they're going to have you know, two players that they um, already had on the roster, some of those few holdovers that were left from the old regime, and then um, a couple guys from Kent State. And so I, I think TCU has a pretty big advantage, Michael. But what's your assessment of um, the O-line and D-line and, and that aspect of this game? Yeah, so I, I think TCU and Colorado fans are at complete odds about this position group when it comes to talking about one another, especially if you read some outlandish articles out there. But if um, w- when I try to look at this on both sides, offense and defense, the defensive line for Colorado, I think, will, will, will be manhandled, in my opinion. I, I think they will, especially when you look at the potential lineup especially on the left side. You got Andrew Coker, Brandon Coleman, then Colton Derry. Then you go to Willis Patrick. Willis Patrick is a big dude. You know, he weighs about, what, 330, 340, so he weighs that much. And then you got Michael Nichols, who has exploded onto the scene. Uh, Obviously had some injuries last year, but now he's healthy this year, can play. You also got John Lands on the the depth chart there, in Mm -hmm. case anything were to happen. You still got some guys, Marcus Williams and Quentin Harris. You got those guys there. But when you just talk about pure strength, I man, TCU's offensive line, I think, will will do their job. They'll do what they need to do on Saturday. I don't necessarily, you know, this is a game where I see multiple advantages for TCU in this game. But it's it's the trench play. You know, when it comes to Colorado's offensive line, the two players that came from came over from Kent State, they played at Kent State. They didn't play power five defensive linemen they didn't go up against a nose tackle destined to be a top 50 pick in the nfl draft in a, in a couple years they didn't play a freak like paul oye wale coming off the the left side so when you think about that and when you look at their film which again it's kent state it's, it's really hard to find that film you you see some struggles there and of course bringing over Sean Lewis, the offensive coordinator, obviously has some familiarity, wants to bring over those offensive linemen. Maybe he has trust in them, of course, because why would they come over? Again, I just don't think it's going to be enough to overpower TCU on the offense or the defensive lines because I just speed-wise, I'll take TCU. Strength-wise, I'll take TCU. Guys knowing what they're doing and doing their job, I'll take TCU. Coaching, I'll take TCU. So, it's probably the biggest advantage that they have on Saturday. Yeah. I I mean, I think, you know, from a skill position standpoint, um, at least on paper, I like what Colorado has. I want to see it in action. Uh, But this is, this is where I feel like the advantages are for TCU. It's kind of up front. And, you know, Patrick Willis is also making a big jump up. I think we can mention that coming from Jackson state who he'll be playing one of those guard spots for TCU. Um, But, they are big. One one thing that shocked me, I mean, Colton Deary's listed 345, Michael. Like, I I had no – I didn't really know 
who he was. I mean, I knew some of the, the highlights of, of his career. Young guy coming from Maryland, was a wrestler in high school. Uh, super excited about him. Um, I didn't think he was, was that big. The interior of the O line, you're talking about 320, 345. And then I, I believe I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this right now. I think Willis Patrick might be listed at, at 355, which um, I mean that's a big that's a big interior offensive line for sure. And I imagine they're gonna try to yeah, he's at 6'4, 355, at least on the team website. Um, so I think we're gonna see some heavy power run game concepts. I, I feel like that's gonna be the case all year long. But I just believe with the fact that um, when I look at Colorado and what they have going for them, you know, from uh, a defensive line perspective, it seems like it's mainly on the edge. And the best way to slow down edge guys is to run the football um, and and find a way to, you know, just keep them from pinning their ears back. I I do want to talk about the the TC receiving core for a minute. So you mentioned this article, which I don't want to really give this article – that much time of day, but there was a Colorado writer that basically said Colorado had a huge advantage in the wide receiver room and that TCU receivers wouldn't, wouldn't make the Colorado roster. Um, However, there are some, some new faces here, right? There's some guys that haven't had huge careers that um, are, are stepping into some bigger roles. So I guess if you're trying to respond to that criticism, the idea that TCU also has some unproven players at that position group, why do you feel hopeful and optimistic about what they can do uh, on the outside here, you know, Saturday and then beyond? Yeah. So, so I'm going to agree with you. Don't want to give this article the time of day. I, I don't even want to mention who wrote it. Cause I, again, must've been paid big money to put out a troll article. But uh, again, like, when you look at the outside, just take a look at the outside. They run, what, three, four deep at the X and Z? So, again, would you like to, you know, exchange all these wide receivers in and out, in and out, in and out? For sure. But at some point in the season, you're going to have to trim it down to two deep at each spot. You know, you're going to have to let the guys, you know, who who pull themselves apart, who make the difference, start playing those guys. Savion Williams would definitely love to see more from him. Obviously, would definitely love to see more. He has good body body control, good uh, high points the ball very well, solid route runner, really good downfield run blocker. That's Savion Williams, and I think that's what his role will continue to be. In terms of a pass catcher, you know, last year he had 29 catches. This year, maybe 30, 35 on the outside, you got Dylan Wright, you got Cordell Russell, you got DJ Allen, you got all these guys coming back and new guys coming in. It's like, whoa, okay? They got speed. Not only that, but the difference between this year's wide receiver core and last year's is athleticism. And I think you've seen some of the TCU writers and reporters mention that guys like Steven Johnson and Jeremy Clark and Jamie Plunkett, those guys mentioned that, that this group is much more athletic. Dylan Wright, I would say is about as athletic as Quentin Johnston. That's one thing. And then John Paul Richardson, probably over Tay Barber, Jojo Earl, probably in terms of just athleticism, not speed, over Darius Davis, Cordell Russell, over Jordan Hudson. Um, 
Savion Williams returns. He's got he had another year in Cause's strength and conditioning program. So you're seeing it all come together. And I didn't even mention Jared Wiley, Rogers, who's the number two tight end. All of these guys that again, I, I think they could have their way on Saturday. Yeah, I got a lot of different options as as far as weapons go. Um, and Dalen Wright's a big, big frame. You know, didn't have like the most outstanding career at Minnesota, but definitely has the physical tools and physical gifts um, to, to get the job done. We'll take one more break and then we'll come back. A few more questions for Michael. Which player on this roster could help their NFL stock the most this season? And then we'll we'll close it out with predictions. All right, Michael, the player, and this will be more of a big picture question, but TCU player on this team that can help their draft stock the most throughout this upcoming season. Who is it and why? Why are you looking at them uh, specifically? So this time of year, it's a little bit early to talk NFL draft projections and where they're uh, projected to be at, but Knowing a couple, knowing a couple scouts and asking them about Brandon Coleman, they would expect him to be a fourth round, possibly third round pick. Him, and that was as a tackle. And in those conversations, if he's a natural guard, they called him a natural guard. He looks like a guard. He runs like a guard. He moves like a guard. An NFL guard at that. If he can stay at left guard. You know, knocking on wood, hoping everybody stays in, stays healthy, and due to injury, he doesn't have to kick back out to a tackle. If he stays at guard this entire year, you're looking at Brandon Coleman, and if he performs the way we think he can at his natural position, we're looking at possibly a player taken in the top maybe 70, especially when it comes to offensive linemen. Now, that's the guy that I have. Brandon Coleman is huge. For an NFL guard, he is huge. Mm-hmm. And he's just the right size, the, the right amount of muscle mass, the right amount of just a behemoth. So I think that's that's the one player that comes. There's multiple players. But sure. I just think yeah. about who has possibly the highest ceiling, who can get drafted the highest I know the last time I was on, I was really high on Bud Clark. This episode, I got to give mad love to Brandon Coleman. Yeah, I like Brandon Coleman a lot. I saw him at Media Days, and uh, he definitely looks the part. You know, tall, big, and um, has that athleticism you'd like for for an O-lineman. Has some position flex, which is a big deal. All right, moment of truth. End in the show, end in the week. Michael, give me your prediction. Do the Frogs win? Do they cover and the spread via FanDuel is 20 and a half points. So do the Frogs cover? Do they win on Saturday against Colorado? Yeah, that over-under has been changing here the, the, the last few weeks. It's been, it's been changing. It's like they don't know what they, what they want to do. Do they want to buy into Deion Sanders? Do they want to think TCU is back, even though nobody is talking about TCU this year? Like, I even listened to the show when it – was locked on Big 12, and they had you in the locked on Texas and locked on Oklahoma, and I agree. Why the heck was TCU not in that discussion? The contender section. Yeah, yeah we the need contender to be there section. And the fact that Oklahoma was even put in the contender section is laughable. But anyways, with this game, TCU is going to cover. I believe TCU is going to cover, and I've actually already had the prediction down for the last week. 
I'm going to go with TCU 50 to 21 in this game. All right. I like it. Um, yeah, I, I think TCU's going to win. I've My confidence on them covering is I'm less confident in it than I was like a month ago, but I'm going to stick with it. Um, I, I just, I think there's a lot of variables in uh, first games of the season and just, you know, can you play a clean game um, along with some of the just surprise facts that Colorado has, but I believe ultimately TCU wins the game comfortably. Please let us know if whether you're a TCU fan, Colorado fan, let me know in the comments what you think. I'd love to hear from you. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow Michael at MichaelTBS underscore. Subscribe to the Purple Rain podcast and listen to it this season, please. And Michael, remind me, what's your co-host's name again? Adriana Rojo. Adriana Rojo. Listen to the Purple Rain podcast this season. Thank you to Michael for being on the show today. It's Locked on Horn Frogs. We'll be back Monday. Your team every day.